It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Season is in the books. We had a, a good weekend, a good three days in Champagne, and we are here to wrap it all up with this season's last episode of No Shot Clock. How you doing, Joe? Good, Mike. Obviously, uh, it's it's weird. It comes quick, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like you think regionals are starting, and then poof, we're doing our final podcast of the season. Uh, the 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 three weeks always flies by, probably because you and I are just running around to games and writing stories and whatever but uh it's it came quick it seemed like and i think with what the 4a field in particular had to offer mike i think it delivered in terms of you know i'm writing a little bit about it too but just a different feel a different vibe a different uh environment for fans to see a different type of team obviously it was pointed out four teams all vying for their first state championship in their program's history, one of them was going to come out of there with one, and obviously Moline was able to do it. Uh, we'll get into that four A, you know, four A bracket here in, in 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 moments. Yeah, I guess um, all the four A games were bad. Yeah, I, I, they're <laughs> basically there's like not a close uh, game. No, there's not a ton to talk about in the book. In the books, it was yeah. Uh, I guess I have a question I, I, for you. I, I, I uh, feel I feel like we hit the the like the sectional basketball was so riveting. Yeah, that was maybe the peak. I mean, three yeah. A, but I guess my question for you in in four A, do you think uh, uh, what kind of a difference do you think healthy Brady Conka makes for Bennett in that title game? Well, it obviously makes a big difference. I I you know the whole doesn't make up twenty points. So that's yeah. not really the point. You know, because it's not getting to that point. You know, it's not the underrated factor. I think if you watch Ben all year long, is they aren't deep at all. They, you know, you, you got the no matter what anybody says, the back to back is not easy. Uh, there's a lot of teams who aren't deep that, you know, are especially in the state tournament are playing their starters and their their guys are going. You know, whether it's 32 minutes or 30 minutes, but. They had a really nice sixth man, Bennett. And after that, zero depth. You take that away going into the game, you're going into different roles and the different, you know, the biggest game of the year. I've always felt like, and I again I'm I'm talking about what I wrote about here coming up, but you know, when you see it in pro sports, you see it in college sports, the injury happens in a game and they and a team can kind of persevere, gut through it. You know, rise to, the occasion, rise to the occasion through that game. And for the most part, we saw that with, with Down Rose Grove North this year. We saw that with Bennett. But eventually, it just catches up to you. Um, and the other part is they're not real big, Bennett. Uh, they rely heavily on kind of the grit and the toughness that Brady Kunkka provides. Uh, so, yeah, I... I Again, I I had Bennett and Moline in the championship game. I had Moline beating Bennett. I would never expect any Bennett team to ever get blown out. And 
more or less, I mean, it was a blowout in the second half. I mean, when you're up 20 in a state championship game, it's a blowout. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a blowout with Brady Conca. No, I don't. I don't think so. Do I think Moline still wins? Yes. The, uh, if you look, look at the box scores of Nico Abusara, he, he took 18 shots. I mean, do we think anybody from Bennett took 18 shots all year in any other game? Well, and, and that's why I didn't like the matchup in particular, because Nico Abusara is a player who does not shoot perimeter jumpers. He, it just this isn't part of his game. He doesn't do it, doesn't make threes. Uh, he is in transition. And then in the half court, he is slashing to the slashing to the basket. He is getting offensive rebounds, putbacks, and all of that was negated because of Owen Freeman. If you watch that, I mean, Nico Ebasar's shots, and Owen Freeman didn't have, I don't know how many blocks, maybe you have the stats, he probably didn't have very many block shots, but the he amount of, one, sh- but he the got, amount he of got shots, way. Yeah. oh, like yes. altered or, you know, just, it, it, it was just completely disruptive uh, for Nico Ebasar at the basket with Owen Freeman there. And when you're when you struggled in that regard, I mean that's tough because that that's you got Brady Kunkka out and your other you know you got well, we've talked about their big three, so now you've basically taken out Kunkka and Nico Abasara. That's just it's hard to to get past and overcome that. Yeah, and it was one of those things where especially Abusara, but even Fagbemi, early on they just had a couple rim out that you know they couldn't get him to fall and. Even if those had gone in, the outcome wasn't changing, but it probably wouldn't have been a blowout. It was one of those things where nothing went right and they couldn't get a break and it just kind of snowballed. But yeah. I'm, well, I mean, and, and, and to your point, the, 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 as far as the scores in the games is they, they just, there was no feel that, I mean, at no point of all the three games, did you ever think the team that was losing had a chance to win once the, I mean, do you know what I mean? It was like yeah, gone. Yeah, no. It was gone pretty quick, or at least you could recognize and see. Okay, this is yeah. Downers Grove North was just completely broke. Yeah, they, they couldn't hit anything, and it was hard to. And it got out of hand a little quickly. And then Bennett, Bennett looked great in that Nutria yeah. game. They played right. so well that yeah, yes. it just seemed Nutria didn't play poorly, but it was just Bennett. They moved the ball well. Everything was flowing well. But yeah, you're right. There, at no point did it really seem like a comeback was evident in any of those games. Yeah, and even in the championship game, you know, I know it wasn't, you know, the first half, it, it was, you know, they, they hung around. It wasn't like it was, okay, it's over. But quickly in the second half, it it, it, it got away from quick is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, you know, it, it definitely did. But halftime score here was 32-25. Um, and, I mean, it was, it was a two-point game with 127 left in the half, first half. Then Brock uh, Harding hits that three, and yeah. then Freeman had two free throws to end it, which I believe was a weird. That was yeah, weird. anyway a little weird ending there, and then that was it. Second half got out of control, and Moline gets their uh, first state title. Uh, they were all pretty excited about it, as you can imagine. Um, something I saw Sean Taylor. I kind of wish I'd had this in my story. He's one of only I think it was three coaches to ever win a state title with m- more than one team. Yeah, Tom Siegel. Uh, did it at Rock Falls and Rock Island in A and Double A. I remember uh, Taylor with Shelbyville, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, in the nineties, um, there was there was. I thought those were the only two. There's a third one. There's one more. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
I forget. Somebody tweeted. I think it was a, another reporter tweeted out. Yeah, I I had not really ever realized that. Uh, yeah, I, I I and very few have taken. There's also very few that have taken teams to state. You know, in, in like an A or double A or okay. now you know, more bigger classes. I I just Mike Moline though. I I. I I I was a believer. Obviously, I, I just thought the way they were playing the second half of the season when I watched them play, and in every game they took the floor, especially in in Champaign. You know, if you could pick two players out, if you can give me a great high level point guard, and which some high school teams have, and then a to pair that up with a six ten big man who's going to a high major school in Iowa which very few high school teams have, that's just a, a starting point that is really, especially in today's high school world where, as I wrote about prior to the tournament, we don't have a, a plethora of high major players. There's just, they're not out there. You know, the Julie Okafor is the dominating players like Jill Jabari Parker and Jalen Brunson's that those types of players weren't there. Um, so I, I, I think I don't want to say Moline. They were preseason number one. They were, but I don't know if people really believe they were going to win state. Do you? When, when the tournament started, everybody. I oh, when the tournament started, and I thought Bennett was going to win the title game, and everybody I talked to on Saturday thought Moline was going to win the title game. Every single person. So I don't know about back you know, three weeks ago, but yeah, on that, Saturday, that's kind of what I. That's what <laughs> yeah. I mean. I, I mean, I think all the talk was. I don't know. Everybody but Mo. I mean, even three A. We kept talking about the same teams in three A. We kept talking. I, I just, I just really believed in this Moline team. I am. I'm not going to say they're one of the state's great teams by any means, but uh, they they were the best team that I saw this year. They I just, thought the they, supporting cast played really well in the title game. Yeah, they know their roles. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a Jasper Ogburn, a tr- terrific defensive player, and. You know, Trayvon Taylor has a little bit of athleticism and, and some board work. And it's just a it's a really good team that knew their roles and really used their stars. And Brock Harding, without question, was the dominating figure. Uh, you know, I had like 28 points in the championship game. I think he had we burst out and right away and I think he had 14 points in that opening quarter against Downers Grove North. Uh, you know, the people who have not seen Brock Harding a lot. You know, the big knock on him very early in his career, jump shots, not good enough, not good enough. He obviously has put a ton of work in. He is a a, a threat shooting the basketball now. He's always had those ball skills, the savvy, the, the innate ability at point guard to play that position. And he's added that jumper in the last, I'd say, last 12, 15 months that's become a, a weapon and very effective, and he showcased that throughout those two games. Six of ten, I believe, if I remember correctly, from three in the two games. Yeah. Um, that'll, that'll do it. What was your take on big drama, if anybody was on Twitter during the games? A lot of complaining about the way Moline finished off the games. I think it's in the rules. <laughs> it's 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 there for the taking, and they took advantage of it. And c- people that complain about it, I think have every right to complain about it because it's not fun to watch. And it, it it's another example. I I really paid attention to this in the postseason, Mike. 
I, I, there, I have a lot of thoughts that I'll be writing about in the off season. Just it, it's time, regardless of the shot clock coming or not to help alleviate a little bit of, of these drawn out possessions. It's time to get rid of quarters. I don't know if they ever will, but it's just two more opportunities for teams to hold it for a minute, 10 or 55 seconds or a minute, 20 or holding for that last second shot at the end of quarters or the second quarter and the third quarter, you know, it, it, it breaks up the flow of the game. It, it would just be so much better if, if we got rid of the quarters, particularly if we're going to have teams that, that do do that. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't, I get in the last two minutes of a game, last three minutes of a game. If you got a lead, uh, I don't think, I don't think players necessarily want to do it or enjoy playing, but at this, when the stakes are this high and it's there for the taking, I mean, a state championship and you know, you got ball handlers and you've got Brock Harding and you can shorten that game. And, and I, you know, even if you turn the ball over sometimes, if you, after a minute 40, you take off the clock, it's just, I don't know. It it, it did. And we saw that um, to a degree in, in the Metamora, you know, Simeon game. You know, with Metamora to a degree, you know, they worked a little bit out of their spread and got a backdoor layup, but it, it, I don't know. It, there was a lot of screaming on shot clock. I think it's more prevalent people talking about it because we've actually seen it happen in shootouts and tournaments throughout the state. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's any way we're not going to not see it in, I don't know how many years, three years. I, it's needed. I mean, other states, if other states can do it, Illinois can do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The IHSA has not um, let it to be known. You know, they refer to it as an experimental period, you know, how we had it in the shootouts and tournaments. So we'll see what they decide to do. I would imagine we at least get that again next year, um, if not in some way, maybe a, a step forward. Uh, the quarter thing is interesting because what I've always thought about that is obviously, you know, the point Joe just made about it's another chance to, you know, just kind of hold it and wait for the last shot. But the flow thing to me, I feel like quite often the game is just starting to kick into gear right when the first quarter ends, you know, and that stops it. And we get that even if they don't hold the ball, you know, it's just like this break we didn't really need because things just got rolling. <laughs> and it, 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 I would definitely enjoy it if that was gone. Well, and I, yeah. And I, mean, I don't know the historical reasons <laughs> behind the quarters, uh, but if you look at it, just today's game, like, what's the purpose? Yeah. I mean, I teams get, is it five timeouts, which is a, a crazy amount. And you, yeah. you gotta have, you gotta have time. You, they're, they're just completely unnecessary. So yeah, that could uh, go away. Um, and for those, I guess uh, who didn't watch Moline, Moline didn't hold the ball or anything. You know, they, they went to a spread. It, it was I guess maybe the most egregious, if you want to say, they started the fourth quarter against Downers Grove doing it. Um, so, in, in, as a from a fan's perspective, when it's like, oh, it's the last eight minutes of the game, and at that point it was like a five point game, and or set, they weren't up by that much, but they were just like, we're just this is what we're gonna do, and so there were a lot of groans, there were boos in assembly hall or sorry state farm center about it you know the fans were not happy they thought it was going to be because downers grove had kind of tightened things up a little bit and it looked like it might be a game but you know as joe said it's the rules and moline wanted to strangle 
the life out of it, get their win, get to the title game. And, and they did. And, and it worked. So anyway, uh, anything else on 4A for you, Joe? No, I I, mean, I think the it was a, a thud with those games. But I, I mean, I just think the the freshness of the lack of a better word, you know, with the Downers Grove North down there and a Moline, which people don't realize has a really rich basketball tradition that they have not really, you know, historically decades ago uh, lived up to in the last 15, 20 years for them to be down there. You know, Bennett's kind of been a staple here. Um, and then who am I? A new Trier. You know, I, I just think it was just a different feel and it was good. And I've talked about written about geographical representation when you include the three, a teams as well. So it, you just wish that there would have been a little bit more drama, uh, a little bit more, you know, games that you're watching where, you know, it, it, the, where you're making decisions of, of, oh, what would you do here? Or how, you know, see this, what happens, how they react. It just wasn't that. It just that the basketball part of it was missing because of the lopsided scores. Yeah, no big moments, nothing like that. However, it did. Uh, Downers Grove North's run to Champaign definitely helped set up a nice storyline for next year. You know, very junior heavy team, young group, and uh, it'll be fun to see uh, where they wind up in the preseason Super 25. I'm not I'm not even thinking about that yet, <laughs> but Downers Grove North will definitely be up there, uh, I would imagine. So we did have a good finish in 3A, relatively good. I guess it was an overtime game with um Metamora pulling it off and beating Simeon 46 to 42 in overtime. Simeon had their chances to win this game. They had their chances to win it at the end of regulation, you know, and couldn't quite get it done. And I don't know. Well, I, 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 I think anybody can be surprised because they've beat them before, but I think everybody had Simeon as the favorite. Yeah. I, the Simeon team was clearly a different Simeon team than last year's Simeon team. It, 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 I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think it's close with the Rubens making the progress that they made, the additions of players like Sam Lewis. You know, when it got down to the end of regulation, Mike, and I saw all the fouls Moline had to give and Simeon yeah. was wait, waiting to start to try to score, I knew it was going to be really, really difficult, near impossible if Moline, or I'm sorry, Metamora handled it the right way. And and they did. I mean, they 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 worked those fouls perfectly to the point where you sucked the life out of Simeon's <laughs> chances with what is it, one point four or one point six or one point two, whatever it was. You know, the desperation three as a result and shot. It's just I, that was their chance. You know, uh, it's interesting. You know, seeing some of the lineup changes that Rob Smith used. And, you know, I talked about it with him the day after. Uh, you know, I, he he talked about it in a, in a in a piece I'm writing when we're comparing the the best team and between Metamore and Moline. He talked about the difference, but you know it's interesting because I you know Wes Rubin and Miles Rubin were were not playing together at the end, and he just didn't feel like they could go that route defensively and chasing their their shooters and and around and I don't know. I mean, it, it it's hard when you've got a player of that magnitude. You know, a six-nine mid-major Division One player who you're unable to to keep on the floor because of some, some matchups. Um, whereas at first quarter, if you remember, it was Miles and Wes Rubin doing all the damage. 
uh, right off the gate, right out of the gate. So I, that was interesting to me, just kind of seeing that develop. Um, but hand it to Metamora. I, I think this is the quintessential high school basketball team, the community rallying around it. Uh, no big names. Yes. Ethan Kaiser is a division one player going to South Alabama. And, you know, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching Ethan Kaiser, both in AAU and with his high school team. I like the way he goes about his business. He, he's very understated. Um, you know, in a very good semifinal game. And then, you know, some of the other, "Quote unquote," no namers stepped up and, and and did the damage in the championship game, but I I just think they're a fun watch and well coached, run good stuff. Uh, and if any team, I, maybe you agree or don't, I, if any team continued to make big plays or big shots that really mattered, there weren't a lot of them in the state tournament. Metamore, I bet you made the most, whether it be those. You know, they had to come back and beat East St. Louis. You know, they they they, they made some huge shots against East St. Louis. Um, that three that Kaiser, I think it was Kaiser hit that huge three against East St. Louis. And then um, the plays they made against Simeon. So that that stood out to me as the one team that really, I mean, Moline didn't really have to because they, the claims weren't that close. Uh, Metamora did. They made plays when it mattered. Uh, and coincidentally, they fell short last year when they didn't, you know, or, or Sacred Heart Griffin did. So it was good to see a team like Metamora, you know, get get a second shot at it and, and make the most of it. Yeah, Tyler Mason and Tyson Swanson from Metamora, mm-hmm. they were just fantastic. Tyson Swanson was making a big bucket every time you turned yep. around. It felt like in that game, he scored almost half his team's points um, in it as well. Yeah, I, I don't – to me – and it's the same thing I said last year in the Metamora Simeon game. And it's the same thing. I'm, I'm just a broken record. I mean, you look at Simeon season ends in a 46 to 42 overtime game. Um, Young and Kenwood, both of their season ended with guess what? 40 point games. What's going on? Like, I don't understand why the public league is letting other teams with frankly inferior talent dictate pace to them and it's it's like a it's a a disease at this point i i don't know what the deal is i don't know why they're playing like this i feel like nick irvin needs to rent out the united center have the whole publicly come and run a clinic and show everybody how to play i mean it's it's very frustrating to me and it's frustrating to watch and i understand something when you got the two bigs you know like simeon does blah 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 but then you, you aren't using the two bigs in crunch i don't know it's extremely frustrating to me to watch these teams continue to lose tight games in the 40s i think the public league as a whole i think i agree with what you're saying uh because of the proof and and the scores and some of the things we saw simeon's a little different i think mike just because i think we've seen it plenty of times in the past with simeon to yeah because they've won six state titles playing in the 50s yeah well, and the Peoria Richwoods game, I go back to Derrick Rose, and that was overtime. And this was this this past year's overtime yeah. was a shootout. I think that one was thirty to twenty eight or thirty one twenty nine. Yeah, thirty one twenty nine. Yep. So I, you know, I, I, I agree. I, I, we have seen a shift. I mean, you think about the Westinghouse teams, mm-hmm. uh, the Marshall teams, mm-hmm. uh, Morgan Park teams. 
you know, those were all highly successful state championship teams that got up and down and, and brought a certain type of style of play that quite frankly, teams that were ready to prepare to go against them, they, they would fret over and you kind of don't even have to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, we're going to do what we did all year and this team can't do it as well as us is what yeah. we kept seeing. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, I mean, the West suburban silvers, <laughs> they're, they're living off of it here. It's you're literally playing into your sectional rivals hands. Um, yeah. Playing like that. I, I have not understood it, but um, yeah, it was good. It, it was fun to see Metamora, those kids, um, you know, cause they, I think a lot of the Chicago area maybe didn't appreciate. Yes. They beat Simeon last year, but they didn't win the title. They lost in that absolute heartbreaker game to sacred heart griffin you know in the in the final so this was a team that really really um had some unfinished business yeah and losing in the worst way possible (laughs) a a desperation buzzer beater that hit every part of the rim and fell in i mean that had been just devastating and and you know they they had a close call in the sectional they beat sterling by two which a game that probably shouldn't have been that close and but Give them so much credit for not only getting back there, but finishing the job and, and knocking off what, what we, I think we would say more or less was the best team all season long in Illinois. And and a powerhouse with a whole big story of Rob Smith's last year. And so Metamora lived up to everything uh, that was expected of them coming off of last year. Uh, I saw them this summer you know, in, in a shootout this summer, Mike. And I just remembered thinking when they finished last year and they lost, I wondered, I thought, okay, everybody's back, but how much better can they actually get? And I saw them this summer. I'm like, wow, they, it, it, it was just so crisp and clean. And uh, the continuity uh, cohesiveness with that group that obviously has played so much basketball together. And that's why a team with, you know, a low major division one player, and a bunch of kids who either are playing small college basketball or aren't going to play college basketball at all are the state champions because of that. I mean, that's, that's, that's unique and fun. Yeah. I thought the, the fun kind of local angle in three a, you know, I was planning on writing a Phoenix Gill column, no matter what I would, you know, it's Kendall Gill, um, his son playing at, you know, I keep calling it assembly hall at state farm center playing in champagne. It was going to be a good story either way. I, I talked to Phoenix a little bit about it after the super sectional win. So, you know, it was one of those things that kind of had half in the can ready to go. There's not a lot of extra time for me in champagne. So I try to get as much done ahead of time as I can. I did not expect Phoenix Gill to play as well as he did it. That just made everything so much better. I mean, the, he's a sophomore for those who don't know, and he's been a good player all year, averaged 11 a game, you know, kind of a complimentary score and does some stuff. That's not who he was in Champaign. He was the best player for St. Ignatius. He was the leading scorer in the loss to Simeon. And that is a game that was close, you know, for what, three quarters. Um, he had 21 points, uh, six of eight from the field, four steals. Uh, he also had a really good game in the, in the third place. Um, it's just, and to me, it's set up a really nice storyline for next year. Cause we need some stars next year. We need some big names and Phoenix Gill is a kid who has local Chicago recogn- name recognition here, obviously around the state with the Illinois, um, stuff. So it was very nice to see somebody kind of step up in three a and become a star that we need in the city next year. 
Well, a program, I know Ignatius didn't get to the championship game uh, either year, uh, but, you know, the fact that this is a program that it's all, it was always really soured on the rich, rich Kehoe. And, uh, you know, they've had some, you know, some decent players and, you know, Nana Egwu went through there. It's been a program that's had success, but for them to go back to back years, get into champagne and a state trophy, uh, uh, says a lot about the job Matt Monroe's done with the program and kind of elevating their status. 4A next year. And Paul Prep will make the jump. To Paul Prep, you know, it has been not very often, Mike, where we, you know, are shut out in the Chicago area in 4A, 3A. And if the Paul Prep didn't come through in 2A, uh, it had been an offer. So, uh, you know, I, speaking of Matt Monroe and St. Ignatius, what a big leap to Paul Prep the program has made um, under Tom Kleinschmidt. You know, it has become a, you know, I think we can officially list it as a power. They have a state championship. They have three different trophies in the last, I don't know how many years, five years, six years. Um, you know, I what more can the program do but win a state title, and they did it this year. Uh, they've, they, they accomplished everything in the past, uh, past, five six years under Tom Kleinschmidt and I without question they have the most talent returning of any team that played in Champaign uh this past weekend and they did it with uh Colserta wasn't so great day one had it hurt a lot basically all of 1A and 2A shot horribly uh day one makes me really wonder about this uh shoot around thing or whatever but uh Colserta was on. He was much better uh, against DePaul Prep in, in that title game. He's a, what, 6'5", 6'6", uh, mm-hmm. guard. Brad Underwood was there, just uh, feet away from me. They're like, Illinois boxes right next to the media area there to check out Colserta. And uh, he, he was an interesting player. I enjoyed enjoyed watching him. Uh, definitely a fun shooter. And, and that overall, uh, BCC was a good team, but just not able to handle um DePaul Well, I just Prep. think, yeah, I think they just have, DePaul has such a great advantage with the schedule they play the type of athletes they have playing and, you know, the defense that they throw at you. I don't think most two A teams are accustomed to playing against that. And it really showed the, the, their, their physicality, their, their defensive pressure, the extended, it, it's just, you know, this it's become a, a trademark of, of this DePaul program is on the defensive end. And uh, with that talent that they have coming back, that's going to mature, get better, and particularly offensively, they will progress. It's going to be a, a, a very, I would probably guess, a top 10 team the preseason next year. Very to both coaches after DePaul prep talked about how uh, the defense, it's the fact that the DePaul kids can switch at all five positions. You know, that's difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, Jalen uh, McElroy is guarding, yeah. you know, guards um, <laughs> at six, seven and, and, um, it's just uh, a that's a dynamic that small school basketball in particular you just don't see. Yeah, they both coaches had a lot to say about that in the in the press conference. Um, well, uh, overall, I guess year two in uh, Champaign, I'm calling it a success just based on we should. I mean, Metamora, boy, the three A crowd was fantastic. Metamora brought a big crowd. We had some 4A people in there. That was kind of the apex. It's funny. We've gone from 3A being the worst 
state final in Peoria in the old setup, you know, some really depressing crowds at what, 11 a.m. or whenever that thing was at noon. Yeah. And, yeah. and now it's the best. <laughs> now it has the most. Uh, at least it has the last two years where, you know, kind of people coming in for four, some there for three. So that was a fantastic um, group there. It, it did. There weren't as many people, especially by halftime of 4A. Um, I have some issues with, I don't really understand what the IHSA is doing with the students. Like, I'm sure if anybody, every, for everybody who's there, all the kids are waiting outside in the concourse to get in for the next game. And they start waiting at halftime of the game before. And I, I don't get why we just can't have everybody in, why we can't figure out a way to have all four groups of students low down there instead of switching out that area. That seems to be a strange thing going on it's something i'll probably ask the ihsa about it i just don't get it uh there were also yeah. issues with nutrier and bennett the, the people getting in in time and i heard a lot of complaints about that yeah i just think the biggest thing that i've seen and i've noticed recognized and here is there is a i don't know is a, a shift from it being i think this has been taking place here since definitely in the last two years since you know post-covid but a shift from it's the games and the crowd and the experience in the arena versus the experience of a weekend. It's not the, the basketball hub that it used to be where people migrate and, and, and whether it be coaches or high school basketball fans, or it's just not that anymore. I mean, I hear a lot of it, you know, with, you know, a lot of beef I hear too about hotels with the the teams being spread out and not together, and there's no true feel of that state tournament was all together in Peoria. Um, that's all true, and I, I think it's become more about okay, how many people can we get in those seats for the games to make it a good experience in the arena for championship games, and in particular on Saturday for the championship games, but you know, also overall attendance. I still don't understand, Mike, why in the world we can't have attendance figures. I, I don't – every major sporting event provides attendance figures. The IHSA, I've still got this little book here. It's got right in front of me. Of every attendance figure for a state tournament from – I don't know when they quit. I'd have to look through it. But it's been years and years. But, I mean, they they would proudly promote the numbers – they would advertise them on the scoreboard. They would thank the fans. The IHSA would thank the fans when they would put the attendance in for each session. No, I, I have no idea the amount of people that were there. Do you? No, not a clue. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a bigger arena than Peoria, obviously. And they're you know, never all they're, in there at once. They're <laughs> so right. They're never even... in there. there. Yeah. But just tell us ticket. Just tickets sold. I mean, it, it's not an embarrassment anymore. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I'd be crowing so, about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. again, and I, I was just glancing through it earlier before we did the podcast. The, the, the numbers are, I mean, for the two, off the top of your head, Mike, do you have any idea? It's been a distance now since we've had two classes. But like what the, you know, combined 1A weekend and the 2A weekend total oh, numbers geez. were? Combined? Oh, no clue. No, no. Just not even a guess. No, not even a guess. I have no idea who, how many people went to 1A, 2A. Well, I, I, what about this weekend? How many? Th I mean, what was our guess this weekend? It, it's it's impossible because I never, you never I mean, saw anybody, everybody in there. 
10,000 per session on, on, the, on the good ones, on the championship ones? Yeah, I, I, I think that would be probably right about because from what I heard eight, last year, nine yeah. to ten, eight to ten. Yeah, I, I think we could go about ten. I right, see so ten, twenty, thirty-four. I mean, it's just amazing how much has changed. We we had ninety-five, ninety, one hundred and ten thousand people attend state finals. In there was no Netflix, Joe. 70s and 80s and, and no minecraft 90s, so. no netflix <laughs> it was a different and, and, world. and so we're <laughs> celebrating these numbers which is which they should be considering what they were in the latter stages of peoria uh but it's i don't know it's it's good to see uh people in the stands but i think it's just become i think it's very very dependent so dependent and it's always to a degree it's always kind of in to the fan bases of the participating schools but more so now than ever because the fan experience has dwindled. There's fewer high school coaches that are going, and it's just not – again, I don't want to be sour grapes on, on your saying it's a success because it was from where it was. But I think it's just changed. It's shifted towards just a – you go to the games, stay in your hotel, you go home. I mean, it, it, you're not out and about you know, like, like you used to be. And this is – there was no star. You know, there's years where we had a freaked out about this attendance. Yeah. Because there was not a single star attraction. But again, I'd like to know the, I'd love to know. I'd love to have a reference point of, yeah. you know, when Jalen Brunson was playing and Julie Okafor were playing, are these numbers better or similar? Were they good? I, that I, would be the question. Like near the tail end of still okay, Peoria. Like yes. how does it, how does it measure up then? Right. Because we know it's better than the last few. Yes. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have no I, idea what yeah. that answer is personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last the last five years of Peoria were pretty bad. Yeah. Oh. So hopefully on a positive note that is I, better. I think yeah, that the, is better. One, the Thursday was better um, for sure. That's easier for me to tell. Oh, the small the small schools. Yeah, because I, I thought that was not real. That was not very good on the first year last year, but it was. Thursday was much better um, from you could just eyeball that. It was pretty easy to tell um, those schools all brought, you know, big amounts of people considering how small they were. So yeah. That, and that might really help the overall um, when you look at it, that Thursday bumped up, but anyway, uh, weather was not great. I don't know. It wasn't horrible to drive in, but I mean, I drove home in a snowstorm uh, through Kankakee that said, so that might've kept some people, um, away we can never seem to get decent weather uh, these days but anyway it's in the books we will uh move it along we are back in champagne next year for sure i would expect possibly some tweaks or something because remember this whole schedule was set with the three a with the three point uh contest built in so we still had those gaps this year and no three-point contest because <laughs> it wasn't changed. So there is room for some mild shuffling around. Like it was a pretty awkwardly long break between the 2A and 3A um, title games. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening. I'll season everybody and uh, enjoy your spring and summer. I'm not going to lie to anybody. We'll probably be back in November. <laughs> Have a good one.